Well, welcome again to our service. My name is Andrew Bowles. I'm the Senior Minister of St Mark's. I'm looking forward to gathering again with you in person for those who normally come here uh, when lockdown's finished, hopefully next week. We're going to continue today our series on the topic of living in the Spirit, looking at 1 Corinthians. And if you follow the readings that we've been doing so far, you may notice that we've skipped over seven chapters in the middle of this letter from last week through to this week. Last week we looked at chapter 4, now we're looking at chapter 12. And this is because in this particular term, we wanted to focus particularly on what Paul says about our identity in Christ and our experience of the Spirit, both individually and as a community. And the middle chapters of 1 Corinthians deal with a lot of ethical issues that are related to that, but we wanted to focus more on some of the core issues in terms of our understanding of this topic from a theological perspective. And we're going to come back later and spend some more time looking at these complicated ethical passages later in the year, hopefully. The section we're going to look at, though, for the next few weeks, from chapters 12 through to 15, Paul turns to think about some of the big issues, such as how the Holy Spirit changes our experience of life through giving us new gifts and a sense of empowerment, through giving us a new way to live in the world and as a new community, and a new hope through our connection with the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And all of these issues help us to connect with what it means to be Christians and to be a church in the world today. And this section of 1 Corinthians contains some of the most loved passages of the Bible and also some of the most controversial passages. So later we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 13, which is, of course, the quintessential wedding passage speaking about love. And we're, but we're also going to read from chapters 12 and chapter 14, where Paul explores some of the gifts of the Spirit, such as prophecy and tongues and questions of how we worship, which are issues that sadly divide the church even to this day. And we're going to finish with key passages from uh, chapter 15, which talk about the meaning and the hope of the resurrection and Jesus' final victory over sin and death. Today I want to look at the passage we just read, where Paul explores the idea of spiritual gifts and what they mean for the church in Corinth. I want to give just an acknowledgement before we get to this, though, that I'm aware this is a very complex topic, and many people have had experiences with teaching and practices around spiritual gifts that may not be very positive or very comforting. And there might have been a lot of confusion. And there might be a variety of opinions in this congregation about how to interpret these passages. And as with all issues like that, what I hope is that we can look at the scriptures together and reflect carefully together on what they mean, and then gently and lovingly hopefully share our own experiences and our own perspectives to discern together what is right so that we can build each other up as a community in Christ. It is okay if you don't agree with my particular interpretation, and I'd encourage you to continually test and question what I have to say. I'd like to start this topic, though, as Paul does, not with talking about spiritual gifts, but by talking about God. To understand what spiritual gifts are and how we experience them, we first need to understand who God is and why these gifts of the Spirit might exist in the first place. The first thing that Paul says in this passage is to remind the Corinthians that the God that they now worship is different to the gods of the pagan religions that they have left behind. They had been worshipping what he says are mute idols, lifeless and speechless gods who are inert, who are powerless to change the lives of people who worship them. And they have now moved into a different space, a faith in the living God, the God of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. 
And the fact that they are now able to call Jesus Christ Lord, as he says in verse 3, is evidence that this living God, the Spirit, is working in them. And it's important to keep hold of this idea of the living God as we think about spiritual gifts. Christians, of course, worship God as the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as Paul alludes to here. And therefore, we believe that God is a living community of love, a community of personal relationship, of overflowing joy and presence, who invites and speaks to people and invites them into his living community. So God, as we worship, is not a mute idol. God is not a symbol. God is not a force and energy in the world that we need to understand and control. And this is important when we think about spiritual gifts because these gifts are often interpreted both today as they were back in the time of Corinth as powers that somehow come from a divine energy in the world that we can control and manipulate. Like the Greek gods of weather and fertility that the ancient pagans worshipped. And we perhaps believe that those who are able to use this energy, these gifts of the spirit well, are more important than those who can't. But no, Paul says, the Holy Spirit is not a force or a power. The Holy Spirit is a person whose presence changes and transforms his people. And it shows the love of God, the Holy Trinity, working through human beings. This is what he means in verses 4 to 7. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So God, the Lord and the Spirit are all the same personal presence who works in his people, giving them gifts to serve each other and the world. It's not something that special people with special powers and special knowledge can earn it is the natural overflow of a deepening relationship with God. And this relationship and this presence of God, it manifests itself, Paul says, as a variety of spiritual experiences and gifts that enhance our ability to serve the common good of our community. So then, let's think, what are spiritual gifts then in Paul's mind? Well, I believe they are particular ways that the presence of the Holy Spirit manifests in Christian people energizing our natural abilities and imparting new spiritual abilities that can build people up in Jesus. Spiritual gifts come from the personal gracious work of the Holy Spirit as he lives in us and we live in him. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are purely from grace. The word that we translate gifts is the Greek word charismata, which just means the things of grace. So the spiritual gifts of God are grace gifts that he gives to his people. Not things to be proud of and certainly not things to abuse, but things to appreciate as gracious gifts to be used for the purpose for which they are given. As Paul says in verse 11, all these are the work of the one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So when we turn to verses 7 to 10, we have a list then that Paul gives of some of the gifts that the Spirit gives to his people. Now this detail in this passage is where a lot of this complexity in this issue comes from because there are different lists throughout the New Testament and lots of different ideas in the church about how 
many spiritual gifts that there are, what they are, and what actually is a spiritual gift as opposed to something that is not. So you might, for instance, look at Paul's other list of gifts of the Spirit in Romans chapter 12, for instance. Many of you also will have done spiritual gifts discovery tests over the years. There are lots of different lists in those sorts of things to help people figure out what their gifts might be. When it comes to this sort of topic, I have a fairly open opinion about spiritual gifts in the sense that I don't think Paul is trying to list here in this passage every spiritual gift. Rather, I think he's putting forward the principle that anything that a Christian person does through the Spirit can be a spiritual gift, as long as it comes from God for the good of others and is used that way. And I think we can waste time perhaps trying to be too precise about this, what is a gift and what isn't, particularly since Paul's whole point here is to say that every gift comes from the same spirit anyway. And it's the relationship that we have and the presence of the spirit in our lives that's the important thing. But in this passage, he focuses on a number of gifts that we might refer to perhaps as supernatural abilities that take the Corinthian Christians into realms of spiritual knowledge, speaking and powers that they might not otherwise have had. So the gifts that he speak about we see are listed here are those of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits and tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Now, all of these probably need their own individual talk, but we'll just think briefly today about them. Now, there are two schools of thought about interpreting what these gifts are uh, that we've got listed here. Some Christian uh, thinkers prefer to interpret them as natural abilities that have a spiritual direction or purpose behind them particularly those gifts of wisdom, knowledge and prophecy and tongues uh, are seen just as normal human knowledge and abilities that are used uh, about spiritual things. So the gift of knowledge under this understanding would be to know things about God. The gift of prophecy would be to teach the Bible well and the gift of tongues would be to speak in other foreign languages as happened on the days of Pente day of Pentecost. The other interpretation of these gifts is that these are some of the more supernatural gifts, things that come from outside natural human abilities and are in addition to those abilities. And I think this is a more plausible interpretation given the context we have here in this passage. Because the Corinthians, as we know, were living in a world, as we are today actually, where what we would call psychic powers were an accepted reality in the religious landscape around them. And I think what Paul is saying is that the Holy Spirit is going to give similar gifts to Christian people as, these, as they might see around them, but from a different source and for a different purpose than the magicians and the people of power in their culture. And I think this interpretation is borne out by the actual experience of Christian people and uh, the gifts of the Spirit over the centuries in the church. So perhaps we can say about what these gifts might be. And I'll just give you my definitions, which are based on my reading and thinking and experience over the years of what these, actually, these gifts actually are. So the gifts and of wisdom and knowledge, I believe, are special insights and information that relate to spiritual things in our world and in our lives. Things that cannot be known through natural means and things that contribute to building up people in their faith. For instance, someone might receive uh, knowledge from the Spirit about something that's happening in someone else's life that God would like them to change. So the gift of faith, I believe, is a special confidence that we have from God 
about a particular issue, encouraging us to step forward boldly to do what needs to be done. So for instance, we may have a special confidence and faith that God is going to provide the financial resources we need to do an important work that he's given us to do. When we come to the gifts of healing and miraculous powers, I believe this is the working of God through us, of course, to heal various illnesses through prayer uh, and to bring about changes in the world around us, such as deliverance from evil and special actions that protect and enhance the good that's happening in the world around us. Now, that's a bit of a vague thing to say, but Paul's description is vague. Uh, but a miracle in the New Testament is a thing of wonder that draws people's attention to God's action in the world in a special way. So the gift of prophecy, I believe, is a specific word that is given to an individual or a community for the purpose of building them up in their faith. So God may give a word to someone that brings clarity about the future, speaks to particular sins or things that need to be changed, or an encouragement to people that they're doing well and to keep persevering. The gift of distinguishing between spirits, I believe, is the ability to determine the spiritual energy behind a particular personal situation and whether something is coming from the spirit of God, the spirit of evil, or just from a human spirit and, where, and what that means. Finally, the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues, I think, relate to a form of speech that manifests directly through us from the spiritual world rather than something that comes from our rational brain something that is designed to connect us with the presence of the Spirit in a deeper way. And this, these words can be interpreted rationally or if that's necessary or helpful. And Paul talks a bit more about this uh, in chapter 14. So those are my definitions, and I believe I've seen all these gifts operate in this manner in my time as a Christian, either in my own life or in others uh, in the church. The personal gifting from those, this list that I've experienced uh, particularly is in the area of distinguishing between spirits and speaking in tongues. And many of you will have had experiences of those things or others like them. So I'm confident that those gifts and experiences are a reality in the Christian life today. So the real question though becomes what do we do with this information? How do we apply it to ourselves and to our church? As I said earlier, this is important because there are ways that this topic can be addressed uh, unhelpfully and even hurtfully. And one of those is what Paul is concerned about very deeply in this letter, which is that the spiritual gifts that God gives will be used by people to create a sense that there are those who are superior to others. People who are a spiritual elite with the certain gifts and that there are good or better Christians as a result of that. And we've seen a lot of uh, Paul talking about this problem in Corinth in, the, in recent weeks. And this problem it comes up again and again in Christian circles over the years. For instance, where the idea comes that those who manifest in their lives the gift of tongues, for instance, would be considered to be those who are the only ones who've had a real experience of the Holy Spirit, as opposed to those who haven't spoken in tongues. And that's a mistake. As Paul says, any gift that we have comes from the same spirit which all of us have who follow Jesus. And there are a multitude of ways that that can manifest in our lives, the fact that Jesus is working. So the gifts that are in this list are just one way or one set of ways that the spirit can manifest in our lives. They're not better than any other way. The second problem is related to this, it's to be, and it is the temptation to become too focused on these supernatural gifts as opposed to other ways that God works, and to become focused on experiencing them uh, as a goal of our Christian life. 
Now that's a natural thing for us to be tempted to for several reasons. Firstly, we know that experiences of spiritual power like this can be very encouraging for people to experience, to feel empowered by God, particularly when the things that we experience are unusual or fascinating to those around us. Secondly, because we as a culture live in a world where there is actually a distinct lack of wonder, as a lack of spiritual awareness around us, and things can feel very material and very technical in our society. And so spiritual gifts, when we have them, can seem to be a validation to us that Christianity is in fact true and real and a pathway to connecting with the world of the spirit that we may have missed out on. But if we look forward a little though, Paul anticipates these problems and he encourages the Corinthians that these spiritual gifts are in one sense almost just an incidental manifestation of the central truth, which is that God's spirit is living in us. They are not pursued for themselves or for the experiences they bring, but as the sign that God is working in us. And the core experience of the spirit in, in, in our lives is the fact that God's love is flowing through us to other people. And that's what we'll get to in 1 Corinthians 13 in a couple of weeks. So to apply this topic to us today, I'd like to say a few things. Firstly, to remind us again, the goal of the Christian life that Paul uh, puts forward in 1 Corinthians is that we live in God and that God lives in us. And to experience this more and more deeply every day. The primary task that we have as Christians is to pursue the presence of God in our lives every way that we can so that the risen life of Jesus and his spirit will be seen in our lives today. This is what this whole letter to the Corinthians is about. So with regards to spiritual gifts, we may actually say the same thing that Jesus said about things like wealth and security. So in Matthew 6 verse 33, he said, Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He would say to us, focus on the spirit, not on the gifts that he brings. And if you do so, the gifts will come as well. Secondly, I'd like us to remember today that the, the Christian life is a journey. It's a process. So as you go on with Jesus, things will change and things will happen for you. So it's worthy to pay attention to what happens within you and through you as, as you grow closer to Jesus. And you might find, as you do, that some of these gifts start to manifest in your life, even if they haven't before. And it's worthy paying attention because some of them are more subtle than we might think when we read them in the Bible. So the words of knowledge and wisdom that God gives us might come to us more like gentle insights that we receive. Things we're invited to pay attention to and to share with others. Or you might feel over time an impulse to pray for someone's healing. That may be God inviting you to exercise this gift. Or you might find that you do experience, if you realize it, a sense of unshakable confidence that God is going to do something. Maybe he's got something for you to do as a result. Or you may feel an overflowing desire to pray with words that you can't understand and to embrace that desire. So I'd encourage you to pay attention to those things when they come. Let them move through you slowly and carefully. Then if you do believe that God has given you a particular gift, you look for the opportunities that he's given uh, you to share and to serve others with it, because that's what these gifts are for, to serve and to build up the church. So in your friendships, in your family, perhaps in your small group, 
in the, ch in the church teams you're working in, as we gather together to worship. Situations might come where you realize God has given you a task to do and a gift to do it with. But I would always have a preference for situations to use these gifts where there is safety, trust and accountability so that people are protected. And also encourage you to accept feedback on the use of your gifts from people who are more experienced than you and more mature in their faith. Think about how you use the gift and is it being used in the way it should. And you know, if you never experience any of these gifts, don't worry. God probably just has other plans for you which will be better for you and more satisfying. There's so many other wonderful things that the Spirit brings in the lives of Christian people apart from these gifts. And as Paul says later, you know, when the kingdom comes, when everything else has fallen away, these gifts will go too. We will enter into the new creation together, looking for new things. So I'd encourage you just to focus on the grace that the Holy Spirit is giving you today for what we're supposed to do now. Because he is the living God. He is present in all of our life. And we are invited to welcome him in to change every part of our lives with his grace and love. Mm -hmm.